This is the gist of freedom with Manisha Sinha, Draper Chair in American History and the author of The Slave's Cause, A History of Abolition. I will be talking to you every third Saturday of the month at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Black History and Current Events. You can find over 500 archive shows of the Gist of Freedom on blackhistoryuniversity.com. I look forward to spending every third Saturday afternoon with you. October is Black History Month in the United Kingdom, and we just found out a couple of days ago that Ireland selected its first black Miss Ireland. Her name is Pamela Uber, and she is originally from South Africa. And in a way, this story tells us a little bit about our world today, which has so many connections with different peoples from all over the world. Ireland is a good example. They had a prime minister who was of Indian descent, Lars Varadkar, just as the United States now has a vice president who is of Jamaican and Indian descent, Vice President Kamala Harris. I think when we look at these figures, we realize how interconnected we are now today as human beings and how different countries have different strands woven into them and have different kinds of people representing them. I think this is especially important in our moment today to address issues of racism and racial exclusion. A lot of people, especially on the right in the United States, have started talking about the U.S. as, quote, a white Christian country that is being replaced by some sort of scary immigrants from all over the world. In fact, if you look at U.S. history, uh, it's a country of immigrants for sure, but it is also a country that dispossessed Native Americans and enslaved African Americans. If we reckon with that history honestly and truly, I think it strengthens our country. And if we look at the contributions, especially of people of African descent to this country, not just in arts, culture, and sport, but also in expanding the boundaries of American democracy by simply struggling against slavery and struggling for racial equality, we realize that this is precisely a point of strength and not of weakness for the United States. The fact that we still attract immigrants from all over the world, including not just from Europe, but from Africa, from the Caribbean, from Latin and Central America, and from Asia, who all come here to become good American citizens and contribute to the growth of this country. We do not have the same problems that some countries in Europe today are facing that don't have large immigrations coming to them. They have an aging population. They have a population that is not as dynamic as that of the United States. So we really need to think and look around and see these developments, see people of African descent, see people of color, uh, you know, represent and achieve so much uh, throughout the world that we should be thinking about the United States as a leading example of this and not something that should be looked upon as 
holding us back. Uh, and I'm especially saying this because we have people in the modern Republican Party, which, of course, is no longer the party of racial progress or the party of Lincoln. In fact, it has become a neo-Confederate party that has become anti-democratic the way the old slaveholders were. They really challenge our values, our founding values of democracy. They would rather destroy something than have see their opponents win. Uh, you can see that in the challenge uh, to the presidential elections, the fact that you had an attempted coup, an attempted armed insurrection uh, by the followers of Trump on January 6th. And today, today, in fact, September 18th, this Saturday, there are some people who are so unrepentant that even after that horrific performance on January 6th in defiling the Capitol in uh, Washington, D.C., they are gathering in Washington to support those insurrectionists, to support those people who tried to destroy our republic on January 6th. Uh, the fact that an entire party condones this and is willing not to condemn any of these people who are still coming to Washington in hopes of trying to destroy our democratic government is really a sad state of affairs. It's a sad state of affairs for the United States, one of the oldest democratic republics in the world. Uh, people look to us to see how democracy is doing. Uh, we are in the middle of a pandemic, and we know that the most unvaccinated populations remain in the South, where governors like Governor Roy DeSantis in Florida and Governor Greg Abbott decided to punish people who would have mass mandates in their school system. The Delta variant right now is raging through the South and the red states. We know that their hospitals are filled up. We also know that in Florida, Nearly one in for every 400 Floridian has died because of the pandemic, uh, giving Governor DeSantis not a very enviable uh, moniker that of being dead DeSantis. On the other hand, we see the development of heartbreaking mRNA vaccines uh, that have protected us from even the new Delta variant, uh, states that are most vaccinated. And who are the people who contributed to the development of these vaccines? If you look at it, we all know that Dr. Fauci always talked about the black scientists who helped in the development of these mRNA vaccines. Um, and I think it is really important for us um, to, to look at uh, people like Dr. Kizmikia Kobat. Uh, who was at the forefront of creating the COVID vaccine. Um, you know, she, as a black woman, uh, having overcome probably uh, a lot of obstacles uh, in terms of her own education, um, has helped us do this. You know, we all go to the movies and we see uh, movies that tell us the role of black women or black scientists um, you know, the famous Catherine Harris, uh, her 
place in NASA. Now she has a building named after her. You know, we can see movies made by Hollywood by them, but still there are people in this country who somehow feel that uh, people of African descent or uh, American citizens who may not be of European descent are not equal. Um, And, you know, when I think about the story of Dr. Kismika Corbett, It reminds me of a black abolitionist scientist that I wrote about in my book, The Slave's Cause, A History of Abolition. Um, And his name was Dr. James McCune Smith. He was one of the first medical doctors, uh, one of the first black medical doctors uh, in the United States. Um, He was born free, but his mother was enslaved. Uh, and had been freed by New York State's gradual emancipation law. But when he decided to become a doctor and go to medical school, none of the medical schools in the United States, including Columbia University, would let him in. So he had to go all the way to England, actually to Scotland. He went to Glasgow, the University of Glasgow, where he got his medical degree. And today, the University of Glasgow remembers him and commemorates him. They have named a building after him. Um, We know that uh, Dr. James McCune Smith came back from Glasgow to the United States, where he established a very successful medical practice in New York City amongst blacks and whites. Um, And, of course, he had been educated also in New York in uh, the Free African School uh, that was founded by the New York Manumission Society, of which Alexander Hamilton was, of course, a part, had lent the prestige of his name to that society. Um, But it was mainly founded by these um, uh, Quaker abolitionists who were involved with the New York Manumission Society. Uh, many people like Dr. James McCune Smith had been educated in those abolition schools because African Americans, even when they paid taxes, did not get um, open admission into the public schools. Um, so they had to rely on black schools affiliated with black churches or abolitionist schools like the Free African Schools established by the New York Manumission Society to get their education. In any case, to come back to uh, Dr. James McCune Smith, uh, he came back to the United States where not only was he a successful medical practitioner, but he became a leading light in the abolitionist movement, and he conducted uh, many Uh, statistical analyses of the black population and scientific studies that disproved the pseudoscience of race, which was in vogue then, and was the established knowledge in even, you know, Ivy League schools like Harvard University that had scientists like Louis Agassiz, who was um, a pseudo, uh, you know, a person who is uh, known as one of those people who believed in polygenesis uh, and whose pseudoscientific notions about race are completely rejected by modern scientists. So not only did Dr. James McCune Smith have the better politics, but he also had the better science than many of these leading lights uh, in American academia at that point. Uh, And so today, when I look back at him 
uh, and I published an article on this issue where I conducted an imaginary debate between black abolitionists like Dr. James McCune Smith uh, and other sort of pseudoscientific um, practitioners of, of what I call racist science, like Agassiz and others, um, in a book uh, called To Make Their Way in the World that was just published last year. Um, and I argue in that that it is really important for us to look at these legacies of black science in this country, uh, even though we have had a sorry history of medical experimentation on black people, people of color, poor people. Um, that has been one of those long legacies of slavery in this country. You think of the Tuskegee medical experiments and others, and I can understand why people would be hesitant to trust uh, public health officials when it comes to vaccinations today. But I think we need to honor black scientists like Dr. Kismikia Corbett, who helped develop the mRNA vaccines, um, or Dr. James McCune-Smith and his long legacy, we need to think about getting vaccinated, especially our vulnerable populations in the South that are controlled uh, in a rotten borough fashion by the most reactionary elements of the Republican Party. And it is in their interest to make sure that Black people immigrant people, Latino people are not vaccinated, that they in fact bear the brunt of this pandemic. So people like Trump, DeSantis and Abbott, they themselves are vaccinated. They send their children to school, private schools with masks and vaccine mandates. Uh, at the same time, they send our children to public schools, offering them as uh, a sacrifice. Uh, to this pandemic. So I think it is very important that we do that. Um, I think I will close up this section uh, on uh, September by also reflecting very briefly on this new abortion law passed in the state of Texas, offering bounties to people um, who would report on women who try to dare get an abortion after six months of pregnancy. That's the time when most women don't even know they are pregnant without making any exceptions for rape or incest. Um, I, it reminds me a lot of the Fugitive Slave Law of 1850 uh, that also penalized uh, people, ordinary citizens, uh, who did not help in rendering fugitive slaves back to their masters in the South. And that law gave rise to a real reaction among black and white abolitionists, but also ordinary northern white citizens who did not want to become slave patrollers. Uh, I think it is a sad state of affairs when we have an abortion law being trying to be implemented uh, in, the, in Texas without the Supreme Court intervening and saying that this is a fundamental violation of a constitutional right established for women. Uh, I think it is a sad state of affairs when we are back to that kind of vigilantism and bounty hunters uh, to implement an egregious and draconian law, uh, which actually uh, should not even be called a law uh, because it is unconstitutional uh, and because it violates nearly all the protections guaranteed to us 
as citizens by the United States Constitution. So I will end on that. I know it is not an uplifting note, but I do want you to remember Miss Ireland, the first black Miss Ireland, that in these dismal times, we also have many symbols of progress and hope. Um, and I also would like to remember, of course, um, the victims of terrorism um, on 9-11. Uh, we lost nearly 3,000 Americans um, to a brutal, senseless uh, terrorist attack. Uh, today in the United States, uh, we face uh, domestic terrorism by white supremacists and militia groups. Um, I think it is really important for us to always stay vigilant to protect our republic from threats, both from abroad and from home. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Until next time, this is Manisha Sinha signing off. Goodbye. It was a pleasure to spend an hour with you this Saturday, and I look forward to talking to you again next month on the third Saturday of the month. Till then, stay safe.